Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for being more than enough. Thank you for being more than enough. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. We give our worship team a good God bless you for setting the atmosphere for us to enter the presence of God today. Amen. Amen. You might be seated this morning. Praise God. Thank you for being here today. Uh, we'll be sharing today part two of the grace of God. I begin this on uh, Wednesday night. If you weren't here on Wednesday nights, you can go. Uh, to iTunes and look up uh, Tabernacle of Praise or Hurricane Church. You can get this uh, first message there. Uh, but I want to share with you here this morning the grace of God. And uh, out of Second Corinthians chapter 3 and starting in verse number 7. Second Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 7. Praise God. says there, but if the ministry of death written and engraved on stones was glorious so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For the, if the ministry of condemnation had glory and the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory, for even what was made glorious had no glory in its respect because of the glory that excels. For if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech, unlike Moses, who put the veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. Amen. May God bless the reading of his word this morning. How many realize today that the devil is the accuser of the brethren? He will not hesitate to use the law or the ministry of death against the people of God. This is why Paul said in the law is not only the ministry of death, but it is also the ministry of condemnation. Remember, the law is holy, the law is just, and the law is good, but it does not have the power to make you holy, just, or good. Amen. The law is unbendable. It is inflexible. Amen. It cannot be compromised. And when you fall or fail, the law cannot show grace to you. If it could, then you it would not and show you grace, then it would no longer be the law. But I want to go into Romans this morning and I'm going to give you several scriptures. And so uh, whatever helps you most, you can go to Romans and we'll be there or you can write these down. But in Romans chapter 7 and verse 10 and 11, it says, And the uh, commandment which was given to bring life, I found to bring death. For sin, taking occasion by the uh, commandment, deceived me, and by it killed me. This is Paul speaking here. And he says that the commandment deceived him and killed him. 
This means that when Paul came under the law, that he also came under the ministry of death and condemnation. We spoke on a Wednesday night how that the children of Israel, in the beginning, the Bible said there wasn't a sick one among them. Their clothes never wore out. They did not die because they were under the grace and the provision of God. God took care of them. But whenever the law came, the Bible said the first day the law was established that 3,000 of them died. Uh, whenever they made, the Bible says also that whenever you, you make a mistake or you uh, come against one of them or do not fulfill one of them, you are guilty of all of them. And so therefore, the law, once the law was instated, then whenever you broke that law, you died. Amen. The law always ministers condemnation. If you are under the law, every time that you fail, you fall short of God's standards, you will be condemned. But grace, on the other hand, always ministers righteousness. This is why Paul called this the ministry of righteousness, which exceeds the ministry of condemnation and glory by much more. When you are under grace, even when you fail and fall short of God's standards, God still sees you as righteous because you are in Jesus Christ. Amen. God did not give the law for man to be made righteous through his obedience. He gave the law so that we would have the knowledge of sin. In other words, if I could say it like this, if, you, if there was no speed limit signs, then you going down the road, you would never know that you broke the law because you were not, didn't know the law existed. But the moment that they put a speed limit sign up that said 70 miles an hour, then you become aware of the law, and when you do not obey that, then condemnation comes to you. Right? That's the reason why when it says 70 and we're going 80, we're looking up underneath every bridge. We're looking in our mirror because condemnation comes. We know that we're breaking the law, right? But you see, uh, Paul writes here in verse 7, he said, What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have you uh, have known sin except through the law, for I would not have known sin. Uh, covetousness unless the laws had said you shall not covet but sin taking opportunity by the commandment produced in me all manner of evil desire for apart from the law sin was dead and I was alive once without the law but when the commandment came sin revived and I died amen without the law sin is dead but with the law, now he that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is. And so, without the law, sin has no power. The law stirs up sinful desires in man. There is nothing wrong with the law. The problem is with man's flesh. Amen. Whenever you, you see a sign that says, do not throw a rock in the water, what does your flesh want to do? When it says, do not enter private, what does your flesh want to do? You look around and see if anybody's looking and, and check the handle, right? 
See if you can, because your flesh is always up to mischief and it, it wants to do, right? But I want you to know today that whenever we see the desire of committing mischief in us, but it is the law that stirs up mischief, but the law also stirs up sin. Romans 5 and 20 said, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but there where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. The law stirs up the man's flesh, but it also is in this physical body. It causes us to realize that we have sin. The law was not to make us holy. It was not for us to try to make us uh, righteous, but it was to let us know you have broken the law. You have sin in your life. The law was to come to tell us that you aren't good enough on your own. You can't do it. Even the writer of the law could not keep the law. Huh? But thank God for his grace. Thank God for his mercy. Romans 7 and 15 said, For what am I doing? I do not understand. For what I will do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, I do. This means that as long as you are in this body, even though that you hate to lose your temper... I guarantee you, you will. Amen. In other words, you're going to fail from time to time. And when you fail, the devil is going to use the law to bring condemnation into your life. The devil knows that if he can put condemnation upon you, then he can put fear upon you. And if he puts fear upon you, he can put stress upon you. And if he can put stress upon you, fear upon you, and condemnation upon you, it will bring sickness into your body and condemnation will kill you. Amen. The question must be, how do we overcome condemnation? In verse 19, it said, for the good that I will do, I do not do, but the evil that I will not do, that I practice. In verse 24, he goes on to say, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Paul goes on, and he doesn't stop there, but he goes on to Romans chapter 8 and verse number 1, and he gives us a foundation that is very powerful that we need to commit to memory. We need to write it down. Because in Romans 8 and verse 1, he said, Therefore... There now there is no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Amen. You are are you in Christ Jesus today? That's the question. If you are in Christ Jesus, then there is no condemnation in your life from Jesus. Amen. Some people want to argue that there is no condemnation only when there's not sin. But if you do not sin, then there neither will there be any condemnation. The good news that Paul declares is that even when we do sin, there is no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because Jesus has already been condemned for our sin. Amen. When the word therefore appears in the scriptures, you always need to find out what it's there for. Amen. There, there is therefore now no condemnation. He is referring to sin. Taking this occasion by the commandment that he has deceived and killed him. And when Paul was struggling under the law, 
he was condemned over and over again. And he cries out, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this death? And he goes on, I know that this is a rhetorical question here, but in Romans 7 and verse 25, he said, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord, so then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with my flesh the law of sin. It was because Jesus Christ had come that Paul could declare that therefore now there is no condemnation. What is the therefore? Amen. The therefore is Jesus. If it had not been for Jesus coming, amen, we would never be able to be free from the condemnation and the guilt, amen, of breaking the law. But Paul said that the law is a ministry of death and condemnation. You have to see the law as condemnation. The law wasn't designed to make you right with God, but it was designed to condemn you, amen, and to bring you to a place of understanding that you could not serve God or fulfill the law yourself, but you needed Jesus Christ to be able to be free from the condemnation and the guilt of sin. It's not God's plan that you live under condemnation and guilt. He doesn't want to see you living your life filled with guilt and condemnation. Amen. The deepest roots that come into the believer today are that of condemnation. They bring stress. They bring fear that God doesn't love you. That God doesn't care about you. That God does this and that and and another. But I want to tell you today, it's the grace of God that leads a man to repentance. It's the love of God. Amen. And so when the devil says you're no good, that you're a hypocrite. Amen. You can stare back at him and tell him in Jesus Christ, there is therefore now no condemnation in me. Amen. The opposite of ministry of condemnation is the ministry of righteousness, which exceeds, the Bible said, with a much greater glory. Begin to see yourself righteous, not because of what you've done, but because you have accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You can't do anything to make yourself righteous. In fact, he warns us against it and said, the best you can do is like filthy rags in my sight. But he, Jesus, has made us righteous. He has made us pure. He has made us holy through his blood, and his blood is more than enough for us today. Amen? So you see, he remind, you got to remind yourself that you are the righteousness of God. What happens when I sin? Paul said that now there is no condemnation. Now covers the moment that you sin. This declares it is true every moment. It is true in the morning. It is true in the evening. It is true continually and perpetually that his grace is sufficient for you. Amen? Shouldn't I feel a little condemned? When Adam was condemned, he hid from God. When Adam was condemned, he failed. He was condemned with guilt and condemnation, and he ran from the presence of God. 
you feeling guilty and you feeling condemnation and fear and stress in your life is not going to enable you to go into the presence of God. It is going to cause you to hide from the presence of God. But when you understand that God loves you while you are yet a sinner, God loves you even when you messed up. Even when you fell short of his glory, even when you didn't obey him, he still loved you. Amen. Away with this concept and theory that if you're not a Christian, that God doesn't love you. I want to tell you, he loves the vilest of sinners. You didn't do it. You didn't merit your way into this thing. You wasn't good enough and and you got a little better and metamorphosed into this thing so that you started feeling better about yourself and one day you stepped on over into the kingdom of God. No, we were all sinners and came short of the glory of God. But thank God for His grace. Thank God for His mercy that found us where we were and picked us up out of that horrible pit and set our feet upon a solid and a firm foundation and blessed our coming in and our going out. Hallelujah. I wish somebody was happy about their salvation would give him praise this morning. Hallelujah. Condemnation and guilt will never lead you back to God. It will only push you away. But when you see the grace and the love of God, it will cause you to go into his presence. I said Wednesday night, I've heard... And, and I don't know that it was meant to be that way, but I heard growing up that, that you weren't fit to go into the presence of God. And, and you, you ha- it seemed like that some way, in my mind anyways, that, that you had to get in such a, a, a state where that you was fit to go into his presence. But I said Wednesday night, I want somebody to explain David to me. Because David was a mess. He was an adulterer. He was a murderer. Now, we ain't advocating that, right? But watch this. He went into the presence of God, an adulterer and a murderer. He didn't go in guilt and condemnation, but he knew the love of Father God. And because of that, he in his presence, he would cry out and he'd say, don't take your holy presence from me. But he said, create in me a pure heart and a right spirit and restore unto me the joy of your salvation. Amen. It was in that understanding. David was a man before his time. He was a man that realized you don't have to take a bullock. You don't have to take a turtle dove. All you have to do is take a praise and you can go into the presence of God. He was a man before his time that understood the grace of God that you didn't have to go in and take you as good enough, but because you would run into his presence and say, Father God, I need you. I can't do it on my own. It was in that place that he came in adultery. He came in a murderer, but he went out knowing that God's peace and his joy was upon his life and restoration had come to him. I submit to you this morning that God isn't so much concerned about how you come in. He's concerned how you leave. You can come in with your sin. You can come in with your failure. You can come in with your hurt and your brokenness. But when you leave... You should leave in his purity, in his joy, in his redemption, and in the power of his presence of grace. Amen. In Luke chapter 15, there is the story of things that got lost. There's the lost coin. There's the lost sheep. 
and the coin didn't have any ability to get back on its own, so the owner went looking for it. The lost sheep didn't have sense enough to get back, so the shepherd left the 99 and went and found the one that was lost. But then there was a prodigal son, and the prodigal son left on his own knowing what he was doing. And he had enough sense and knowledge to get back on his own. And while it broke the father's heart, he never left the front porch. But he did look for the son. He was watching for him. Amen. And for the sake of time, I'll not read it. But let me just say to you that the father, he was looking for the son to come back. And the very moment that he's seen his son afar off. The Bible said that he ran toward him and he embraced him. The moment that he seen him in a far distance, amen, he knew that the father's behavior was even contrary to the law. Amen. But watch this. Deuteronomy says this according to the law. Deuteronomy 21. If a man has a stubborn or rebellious son who will not obey the voice of his father and the voice of his mother, and who, uh, when they have chastened him, uh, he will not heed them. Then the father and the mother to take hold of him, bring him out to the elders of the city and the gates, and they shall say to the elders of the city, This son of ours is stubborn and rebellious, and he will not obey our voice, and he is a glutton and a drunkard. And then all the men of the city shall stone him to death with stones. So you shall put away the evil from among you, and all Israel shall hear and fear. That's the law. Amen? That's the law of Moses. But when Jesus shared this story of the prodigal son, the Jews understood and knew the law of Moses. They were familiar with the law. However, instead of condemning and punishing in this story... Amen. This rebellious son, Jesus reveals the father's heart of grace. Amen. And he forgives him and shows him a new covenant. At this point, Jesus had not established a new covenant of grace, but people listening to him still understood the law. But Jesus was giving them a taste of what was to come. Hallelujah. Amen. He was showing them the reality that you could and you and I enjoy today. Amen. The son uh, sinned against the father. Yes. But did the father heap guilt and condemnation upon him? No. He received him. In fact, the father did contrary to the law and he ran to where he was. He took opportunity to show his son grace. Amen. Not guilt and condemnation. And amen. I want you to know that that is the heart of Father God today. He is not here to condemn you. He is not here, amen, to heap coals of, of pain and hurt upon your life. He sent his only begotten son that you and I can know his grace and his mercy that even though we sin and come short of the glory of God, that we can run into his presence and say, Abba, Father, Daddy, God, I'm here and I need your help in my life. He didn't want to come to condemn him or to bring guilt upon him. He wanted to bring out the best robe and put on him. He wanted to put a ring on his finger. Amen. He wanted to put brand new shoes on his feet. Even for our intentions, 
may not be the right intentions. This boy didn't come home in this story because he said, I need daddy's grace. He came back home because he ran out of money. He came back home because he was hungry. I want to tell you, most people in life only come to God when every other avenue in their extremities have been exhausted. Amen. All of us know, amen, that we came to our end. We don't have to do that. But most of the time we do that. We wait until we come to the end of ourselves, and we don't know where else to turn. But I want to tell you today that you can turn to Father God before you come to an end of yourself. Amen. You can call upon him and he will show you his grace and his mercy. The Bible said when he was still a great way off, the father saw him, had compassion upon him, and he ran and covered, put his, uh, fell on his neck and kissed him. This is a picture of the love of God. Jesus is the one sharing this parable. How many believe that Jesus understood the Father? We are hearing an eyewitness account of God, the Father, and what He is like. And Jesus should know. He is describing God's response to those who have sinned. How did you recognize the Son? Even when he was a great way off, it was because he was sitting there looking for him, hoping every day that he would return, hoping that every moment that the next moment would be the moment that he seen his face come over the horizon so that he could go not with judgment and condemnation, but with grace and with love and embrace him and bring him back into the household of faith. Can you see the heart and the love of God towards sinners, toward those who have fallen? Amen. You just have to take uh, one step toward God today. And if you take one step toward him, he'll run to where you are. He'll meet you at the point of your need. You won't have to go to where he is. He'll come to where you are. Amen. And he'll say, you aren't going to have to walk this alone. You're not going to have to do this by yourself. My grace is sufficient for you. Amen. And he'll put his arms of love around you and say, I know they may be talking about you. They may be criticizing you, but that's not my heart. And his grace and his mercy will repel the voice of the enemy and repel what people are saying and people are thinking and what the enemy will say into your life. And he'll let you know that my I died upon the cross so that you could have life and have it more abundantly. Amen. Matthew 26 and verse 8 said, For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for the remission of sins. His blood was shed for forgiveness of all of our sins. The blood of Jesus protects us. The main reason that Jesus' blood was shed is for the forgiving of our sins. This means that the blood of Jesus also offers protection from condemnation. When you get this revelation in your spirit, you will not be a wretched worm. You won't be an old sinner trying to be saved by grace. You will know that grace has saved you. 
and you will stand, not bent over, but stand straight up knowing that God has redeemed you and He has called you by your name and that He has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light and because of His grace, you are somebody. Amen. You are somebody. John chapter 9 and verse 1, it said, Now Jesus passed by and He saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him who sinned, him or his mother's parents. And, and he goes on and he says, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And when he had said this, he spat on the ground and made clay and, and uh, with saliva. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, go and wash in the pool of Shalom, which translated scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. The disciples just wanted to know who sinned, who caused this blindness. And Jesus said, neither of them. He went on to say, I am the light of the world. And he proceeded to open the man's eyes. If there is a problem in your life, you need to deal with it. Don't ask whose fault it is. Don't ask who caused it. Just deal with it. Ask God to cover you with his grace and remove that that is blinding you, that is hindering you. Amen. We know that the devil steals, kills, and destroys. But amen, his name is a thief, a murderer, a destroyer. His name is Satan, which means the accuser of the brother. Amen. He is the prosecuting attorney against you. He wants to prosecute you. He never wants to talk about your good points. He wants to prosecute you over what you've done wrong. He wants to even bring up things that have been under the blood for years. Come on, somebody. Amen. That's what the prosecutor does. He says, you know, do you remember when? You remember what? And you know what? Whenever I'm on that uh, court, I have to say guilty is charged. But I also want you to know that that was an old me. That was me whenever I was in Adam, in sin, in the bondage of the world. But now I stand before you today, not that man, a man that did what he said I did. But I stand before you today covered by the blood of Jesus. Amen. Redeemed by his blood. Washed in his victory. And because of that I can stand with pure heart before the Lord. Amen. While we're trying to deal with, deal with the fear and the stress in our life, the devil is going to try to strain us with condemnation and guilt. He knows that when you're under condemnation, fear and stress and guilt, that he can bring sickness to come into your life. Amen? And sickness will kill you. But the Bible said in Isaiah 54 and 17 that no weapon formed against you shall prosper and every tongue that rises against you in judgment shall be condemned. Why? Because this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness from me, says the Lord. The devil wants to use the tongue. He wants to speak a man of guilt and condemnation against you. He wants to beat you down and sometimes he'll use people to do it. But he says, don't worry 
worry about that. Don't worry about what they're thinking. Don't worry about what they're saying because I have redeemed you and what they say does not count. Glory to God. I want to tell you today that the blood of Jesus Christ is strong. It is still real. As the songwriter wrote a long time ago, the blood has not lost its power. It still reigns in the highest mountains and flows to the lowest valley. And that blood of Jesus Christ is more than enough to cover you and redeem you today and say victory is yours in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. If there is now no condemnation, will people go out and sin? Jesus didn't think so. Do you remember the woman that was caught in the act of adultery? In John chapter 8 and verse 10, when Jesus had risen, raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Jesus gave her the gift of no condemnation before he told her, don't go sin anymore. Theologians have discussed it for years and they said, what did Jesus write in the ground? Well, I'm not going to debate nor talk about it. All I know is when he got up, there weren't nobody else around. And he said, has nobody condemned you? She said, no, nobody. He said, neither do I. You know what the law said? The law said not only was she to be killed, but the man she was laying with. I want to know who the peak in time was. Huh? Come on. I want to know who was going nosing around and somebody else. I ain't got time for that. No, but the other thing I want to know is where was the man? Because according to the law, they were both to be destroyed. But thank God for grace. Hallelujah. Thank God for grace that whenever I was guilty, whenever I did what they said I did, that the grace of God and mercy came running to where I was. Grace came to where I was. The blood of Jesus came flowing into my situation. Amen. And he found me where I was. And he said, I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to embrace you. But then whenever he let that woman know that I love you, that I want better for you, it was then that he told her, don't go laying with that man anymore. How many believe that that woman didn't go get back up in that same bed. But whenever she understood the love of Jesus that just saved her from being stoned to death, there was, you didn't have to go tell her, don't be doing that no more. She knew that I just, my, I've just been redeemed. 
I was just saved. I was guilty as charged and I deserve to die. But thank God for the grace of Jesus that has come to me today. I want to tell you when you understand the grace of Jesus, when you understand the mercy of God, amen, you don't want to go sin anymore. You want to thank him that he has redeemed you, that he has called you by your name, that you're a partaker of his divine nature, that you're complete in him. You're a chosen one, a called out one, royal blood is flowing through your veins and you're thankful that Jesus came to where you were and saved you out of your mess. Oh, come on and praise him here this morning. Jesus gave her the gift of no more condemnation. And then he said, don't go sin anymore. Too many times in the church, we want to tell people first, don't do this, don't do that. And we want to condemn them and we want to judge them. Does that mean that we can live however we want to live? No, but it means we need to show them the Father's love before we tell them this is the way you need to live. We can't give people rules first. We have to give them Jesus first. And when they have the Jesus that you and I have experienced, they'll want to follow the rules that he has for us to live. Amen. It's not a burdensome thing for me to be a Christian. Can I tell you something today? I believe in heaven. I believe that someday the Lord himself shall return with a shout, with the voice of the ark covenant. And the dead in Christ will rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up to be with him in the clouds of glory, and so shall we ever be with the Lord in the air. I believe that. I believe that because he went, that he went to prepare a place for me, and if he goes away to prepare a place for me, I, he will come again and receive me unto myself, that where I, he is, I can be also. I believe that. But if that didn't exist, if there wasn't a heaven or a hell, I would still live this lifestyle. I would still serve the Lord on this side of heaven. Why? Because it's the best life. There's nothing else that can give you peace in the midst of turmoil. There's nothing else that can give you joy right up in the middle of sorrow. There's nothing else in this world that can give you the love even when you have sinned, fallen short of God's glory and his grace and feel him wrap his arms of love around you and say, yes, you have sinned. Yes, you have fallen short, but it has not stopped my love from coming to where you are. I'm thankful for the blood of Jesus today. I'm thankful for the grace of God today. I'm thankful because if it had not been for him on my side, my enemies would have already devoured me. Amen. But I'm thankful today that John chapter 8 said when Jesus raised himself up and he looked, he said, is nobody condemning you? No, Lord. He said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. You 
think that that woman had a problem with not doing what she was doing before? She was thankful that Jesus came by her way. And I'm thankful today that Jesus has come by my way. Broke the cycle of condemnation. And I don't serve God today because I'm afraid of going to hell. I don't serve God today because of the consequences if I do not. I serve him because of his love that he showed to me. It's greater than I could ever repay. And greater than anything that I could do. If I could live ten times in this world, I could never repay the greatness of his love that he has shown toward me in my life. And I am thankful today for his forgiveness. And I'm thankful for his redemption and his love that he has made available to me. Is anybody else thankful for that today? Sister Becky, if you could come and help me today. I want you to stand with me for a moment, please. I want to share this word because not only does the world not understand sometimes the love of God, sometimes folks that are in the church don't understand the love of God. He said, since grace does abound, should we go and sin? He said, no, God forbid, but if we do, if we do. That means do your best, fight the good fight of faith. But if you do, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. That has made me righteous, that has made me holy, that has made me pure. I want you to bow your heads with me for a moment, please. Just reverence this moment. If you'll just give me a couple of moments. I wonder if there's anybody here today that say, Pastor Brian, you know what? I'm not walking in that covenant. I have condemnation and I have sin. And I'm guilty. But today I understand that God loves me and he doesn't push me away, but he wants me to come so I can be redeemed so I can be set free from this guilt and this condemnation, this sin that is in my life. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, or if you're here today and you've known Him, but now you've walked far away from Him, and you want to renew that relationship and that covenant with Him, would you just raise your hand right where you are and let me pray for you today? Is there anybody in this place today that say, yes, that's me. I want that relationship with Jesus. Is there anybody this morning? Hallelujah. Anybody today? You don't have to leave here under guilt and condemnation. You can know that God loves you. 
but he loves you so much that he won't allow you to stay the way you are. He wants that peace and that joy and that love of God to come to you and change you and make a difference in your life. Is there anybody this morning? Let me make another call today. You said, Pastor, I love God with all of my heart, but I'm under guilt and condemnation. I'm under fear and stress. Things that I've done in my life, but I've come to an understanding today that God loves me and I can run to his arms and he can change who I am. He can deal with those situations of my life. If that's you today, the Holy Spirit's touching your heart. Would you just raise your hand this morning? I want to pray with you. God bless you. God bless you. There are others this morning. Pastor, I just want to know the grace of God in its fullness. Hallelujah. God bless you today. Father, as we come this morning, we thank you for the grace that you have shown us. While we're yet sinners, you have died for us that we could have life and have it more abundantly. Now, I just ask you, God, that you would touch each and every one that has lifted their hands today. And God, the enemy has brought guilt and condemnation into their life. But I pray, God, as they run into your arms today, like the prodigal God, like us that have fallen short, that we will run into your arms, that you can transform and you can change us and you can empower us that our tomorrow will be brighter than our past because we realize today that we don't have the ability on our own, but we need you in our lives. And so we run to you today and ask you for your grace and ask you for your mercy that you would move and minister according to your will in our lives today. In Jesus' name I pray. Oh, the blood of Jesus is the blood of Jesus is the blood of my Jesus it's the only thing it'll wash you white as snow The blood of Jesus, oh, the blood of Jesus, oh, the blood of Jesus washes white as snow, and I'm thankful the blood of Jesus. I'm thankful for the blood. It's the blood of my Jesus. I'm thankful for the blood of Jesus. It washes white as snow. Oh. 
Remember that day? I'm thankful for the blood of Jesus. Oh, I'm thankful for the blood of Jesus. Yes, I'm thankful for the blood of my Jesus. It washes white. thankful one more time and I am thankful for the blood of Jesus morning give him the ovation of the morning thank him for the blood of Jesus hallelujah thank you for your redemptive grace praise God praise God amen those who are going to be baptized you can be seated just a moment we have, uh, believe we're baptizing eight this morning for this service I think we have two or three but if you are being baptized, if you would just come and meet us over here on my right and left, your left, uh, we'll be just a moment. Amen. If Sister Becky can just play us a little something there, and uh, we'll celebrate with these. Amen. If you could just give us a couple of moments. It won't be long, but it's a great time for some people's lives being changed. And so we're thankful for that. Let's celebrate with them today.
in the Lord Jesus Christ today. We baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We're proud of these young people's lives being changed. Amen. Praise God. Sydney's confessed the Lord Jesus Christ as her personal Savior. Amen. And so today we baptize her in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. Praise God. Another young man today.
Jim today, he is uh, came and confessed the Lord Jesus Christ in his home. Amen. Pastor Jack went and visited him, and I don't think he's missed the service since. Amen. And we're thankful for that today. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Walking in the newness of life. Amen. So today, Brother Jim, according to your confession and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we baptize you today in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, aren't you? Praise God. Let's stand today, if you would, please. Thankful for the blood of Jesus. Oh, I'm thankful for the blood. Yes, I'm thankful for the blood of Jesus. It was. Can we give the Lord a good God bless you for these lives that have been changed? Praise God. Amen. Amen. Remember your life groups tonight. Amen. Wherever that may be, I just encourage you to continue to be a part of that and allow the Lord to bless you. We look forward to seeing you on Wednesday night. Uh, Next Sunday, the children will be in here ministering with us, and we're thankful for what God's doing in our children. God bless you. I love you. I'll see you Wednesday night.
as we were singing that song, there's someone listening or watching this that needs a brand new start in Jesus Christ. Right now, wherever you are, if God is drawing you to himself and you felt as we were singing, you are making all things new, that this moment is meant to be the beginning of your new life in Christ. Second Corinthians 5.17 says that if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Right now, whether you're in this place tonight, driving down the road, watching this on television, online, or by DVD, I want to give you the opportunity to say, this moment is the moment where Jesus Christ made all things new in my life. And for the person that is tired of the same old attempts to clean up your life, the same old dead paths to find joy. Your past has haunted you. Your future has seemed paralyzed. No matter how you try, you can't get it together. And the beauty of the gospel is this, that Jesus came so that you would not have to get it together, but so that you could offer him the broken pieces of your fragmented life, your uncertain future, and so that all things could be made new. Church, let's pray together. And for all of you who want to receive Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life, you pray this in your heart with me, and God will make all things new. This will be the beginning of the best days of your life and the beginning of an eternal relationship with a God who sent his son to make all things new. Let's pray together, church. Say this, say, Heavenly Father, I need a new start. I need your grace. I need your mercy. I give my life, all of my sins. I turn from my own ways to trust in you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. I believe you rose again to give me new life. I place my hope in you. Make me a brand new person. Give me a brand new start. And I will live for you all the days of my life. Let's clap our hands for people all over the world who just received grace, mercy, salvation, forgiveness, hope, restoration. This is a brand new day. You're a brand new person. You have a brand new home. In Jesus' name.